Alex Anthopoulos has been busy this offseason, but have the Atlanta Braves actually gotten any better? And on this Miners Monday episode, we'll talk about Drew Hackenberg and Sabine Sabalos and what could be two of the better pitchers coming up in the Braves system and a hitter as well in Sabalos. We'll discuss all that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on social media at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on social media at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Always enjoy hearing from you and try to make this podcast as interactive with you as possible. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're new. Up over 8,300 subscribers on YouTube now as we on the road to 9K, hopefully 10K by opening day. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. That'll help us get there. And again, thank you so much for your support of Lockdown Braves, whether you watch on YouTube, listen to the audio podcast. Thank you so much. Do a lot of these podcasts live during the off season. We got uh, several people in here already tonight listening. Bojack, Jeffrey Humphreys, Lone Wolf, Noah S., Trip, Cherry, Kenneth, Lex, Arginis, Joe Me, uh, Leland in here as well, Mass Boost, David Rodriguez, Justin Spear, and more. Thank you so much for joining me live. And thank you again so much for all your support of Lockdown Braves, making this your first listen of each and every day. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on what Alex Anthopoulos has done this offseason to really make this team better and has he made this team better so we'll dissect the moves already made what needs to be done if they haven't gotten better to really put them over the top and how do you really make a 104 win team that much better we'll also preview or talk about drew hackenberg and sabine sabilos who i think could be one of the better hitters in the Braves system here pretty quickly so i'll dissect both of those Braves prospects based on some of the video i've watched with them. We may touch on the Otani news, but I hope to do another podcast later in the week looking at should the Atlanta Braves extend Ronald Acuna Jr. And we'll probably get into the Otani contract discussion at that point and the deferrals and everything going on in that. But for today, we'll talk about what Alex has done. We'll do our Miners Monday segment and a little bit of news as well as the Braves have announced their coaches uh, that are going to replace the guys that they lost this past offseason or this offseason rather. So we'll discuss the coaching hires as well. But let's get into the first topic I wanted to talk about, and that is the AA matrix and the moves that he has made this offseason and whether or not he has really improved this team. Before we do that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go ahead and visit there today to get started. So let's go through what I'm going to talk about, the Alex Anthopoulos matrix here of the moves that he's made this offseason, particularly the trades. And bear with me here. I'm going to go through a complicated process because it has been complicated. And that's why I don't want to talk about the Otani contract today because my head might explode on here trying to do much more math. But it started with 
trading Cole Phillips and Jackson Kowar to the Mariners for Jared Kelnick, Marco Gonzalez, and Evan White. In that deal, the Braves took on $29.5 million between Gonzalez and Evan White. The Mariners are sending the Braves $4.5 million in August, so Braves are on the hook for $25 million in that deal. The Braves then traded Marco Gonzalez and Cash to the Pirates for a player to be named later or Cash. We still don't know which way that's going to be resolved, but and we don't know how much the Braves sent in that deal. But let's say they sent half. So now the Braves are on hook for about $19 million of that original trade for Kelnick. Then the Braves trade Evan White to the Angels for David Fletcher and Max Stassi. So the Braves sent White and his $16 million to the Angels for Fletcher and Stassi, and they made a combined $20 million. So the Braves now have taken on $23 million, starting with the Kelnick trade. The Braves then trade Stassi to the White Sox with cash for a player to be named later. We know the Braves are covering more than half of that, so let's just say they're covering $4 million of that. Braves have now added around $20 million to their payroll to get Jared Kelnick, David Fletcher, and two players to be named later, or cash. That's a lot of moving around and moving parts to essentially get Jared Kelnick, which is why I don't think there's a platoon situation happening in left field. I think it's Jared Kelnick's job. We'll obviously see how things unfold in spring training, and he's going to have to take the job and hold on to it. But that is a lot of money taken on and shifted around to get Jared Kelnick. And hopefully my math is right on all of that. I'm sure some of you will correct me in the comment section if not, but I did a lot of hard math trying to figure that out. I did take calculus at Auburn, didn't make the best grade in the world, but that is still a lot of willing and dealing. You could have brought back Rosario and Nicky Lopez for $13 million, $14 million. I mean, if you just pick up the options and you go through arbitration with Nicky Lopez, I mean, you're looking at $13 million for those two guys. Now, now, let's get into the topic now of has the team improved. And I, first of all, cannot imagine the job that Alex Anthopoulos has to do in trying to improve a 104-win team, improve a historic offense, improve on a team that has won six straight division titles. What can you really do this offseason other than spend $600 million on Otani to make a significant upgrade to your team to improve on a you could go out and sign you can go out and sign Otani and you may not win more than 104 games next year that's just really hard to do uh yeah mass I'm going to get to the long-term implications of the Kelnick deal here in a second because I, I do think the Braves have improved and I do think the Kelnick move is an upgrade over Rosario I think the moves that the Braves should be making should be postseason driven and it's hard to sit here in the middle of November and already be talking about October. But I think that's where this Braves team is at this point. This team should get to the postseason. Now, what's going to happen once you get to the postseason? That's why I'm not against the deal for a Tyler Glass now if you can have him healthy for the playoffs. And that's a big if. But I think right now, if you're Alex Anthopoulos, he's all obviously always looking towards the future, and that's where the Jared Kelnick move makes a lot of sense. But I just think with this team, you got to be postseason focused. So to answer the question, have they improved? 
Yes, but just a little. Fletcher and Lopez on the bench, that to me is a push. Both are light hitting batters with really good gloves in the field. Lopez maybe gives you a little bit better arm. Both guys have very good range, but those are very similar, you know, bench players. We're going to make about the same money. Fletcher obviously making a little bit more than Lopez was projected to make. Kelnick is projected to be a better player than Rosario in 2024. You go by some of the projection systems out there right now. We wrote about that over on bravestoday.com. You want to check that out. And they were pretty much the same value based on war last season. So, Again, worst comes to worst, I think you're at least replacing the production that Eddie Rosario gave you last year in Kelnick, and you're getting somebody who's a lot cheaper, somebody who has a lot more upside. I think he's just as good, if not better defensively, although you look at the outs above average uh, metrics for Rosario last year, and they were very favorable towards him, uh, and not so much to Kelnick, which I think he was zero, so it's not like he was a negative, but I believe personally, because I've watched Rosario, I think Kelnick can be at least the same, if not better, defensively. So that's an upgrade for me, in my opinion. Maybe slight, maybe very slight, but I think that is an upgrade. The rotation is neutral. Look, you're hoping if Freed, Strider, and Morton stay healthy, that the rotation overall in 2024 will be better than it was in 2023, where they ranked 17th in starter ERA. So again, just staying healthy, which again, is a big if. I know that, but we're in the middle of December. You have to project that players are going to be healthy I think this this rotation still has a chance, even with no moves, to be better than it was in 2023. The bullpen is better with the addition of Lopez. If Lopez is going to be in that bullpen, if he's in the rotation, then I think you can definitely say that the rotation is better. But you also got Aaron Bummer, another lefty, and you have Tyler Matzik coming back, another lefty. So I think you can say the bullpen is definitely improved. So has Alex Anthopoulos improved the team on paper in the offseason? Yes. How By how much? Not very much. And that's most of the responses I got from you and a lot of the responses I'm getting here in the bullpen. Michael McCord said, I'd like to see another starting pitcher. I think that's what most of you feel right now is that, yes, he's improved the team a little bit, but in order for it to be a significant improvement, you have to at least sign a mid-rotation starter. And if you want to make a huge improvement, you're getting a starter for now and the future to potentially replace Max Freed. So been a lot of maneuvering, a lot of moves being made this offseason by Alex Anthopoulos. They have made the team marginally better, but there hasn't been that significant move yet. Do we see that? I don't know. I hope so. I still believe at the very least we're going to see another starting pitcher come at some point. May just be a mid-rotation type of starter, but I do think that happens, and that would certainly be an improvement on this team going forward if that's the case. All right, next, we'll get into our Miners Monday segment. I'm really excited to talk about Drew Hackenberg and Sabine Sabalos. I think Sabalos could be one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter in the Braves system. Not a very high bar to pass there, but I'm really excited about his future. We'll discuss him more here next. Score early this season with NFL on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if 
your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now. NFL, NBA, college bowl games, and the playoff coming up as well. NHL, so much sports action to get in on. And the app is so easy to use with a wide range of betting options from spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You want to go over there and get some futures bets in for the World Series. The Braves are no longer your favorites. So maybe now's the time to buy in for the Braves, who are the second favorite behind the Dodgers now after the Otani signing, which I think is a bit of an overreaction to the market right there. But if you want to go over there, get in on the action for the World Series in 2024, you can certainly do that over at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Also, make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash play safe for tools and resources to help you stay in control of the way you play. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. want to let you know that Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with Locked On's local experts, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, getting into our Miners Monday segment here. We're going to be talking about Drew Hackenberg and Sabine Sabalos. We'll start with Hackenberg, 59th overall pick out of Virginia Tech in this past draft. Many, myself included, thought this was going to be an underslot pick as he was ranked 200th by MLB Pipeline as far as top prospects going into this draft, but he was a draft-eligible sophomore, and that typically gives draftees a lot more leverage, and the Braves actually went 630,000 over slot to sign him with that 39th overall pick or 59th overall pick rather that was the highest overslot total that they gave to any pick in last year's draft so that tells you how much the Braves believe in him and were impressed with him impressed with him and wanted to get him locked up 6 foot 2 220 pounds is a very strong frame for a pitcher somebody who you typically would look at as somebody that's going to throw you throw a lot of innings for you Turns 22 in April, again, coming out of college, right-handed pitcher at Virginia Tech. In 2022, the numbers were much better. 3.30 ERA, 1.230 whip, 92 and two-thirds innings, only 19 walks and 87 strikeouts. Came back in 2023, 5.80 ERA, 1.63 whip, 85 and a third innings, 26 walks, 99 strikeouts. So you saw the strikeouts go up. Walks were still really solid, but a elevated ERA and whip. Now, something I always tell you when looking at college stats, particularly from this past season, don't put a lot of stock into them. Offensive numbers are heavily, heavily inflated. Now, to a 5.8 ERA and a 1.63 whip, maybe not to that degree, but he also did make some adjustments during the season and was really good down the stretch. Pro debut, he only threw six and a third innings, five and two-thirds of those coming at Augusta, just three hits allowed, did walk six. We didn't see him walk a lot in college, but did walk a bit in his pro debut, one earned run, and did have 13 strikeouts in those six and a third innings. Went back and watched a couple of his starts. Sinker that sits 92 to 94. Slider, 83 to 85. A cutter at 90 miles per hour and a changeup in the high 80s as well. The sinker has really good arm side action, has a lot of run on it. He's going to cut it in on right-handed hitters, can also throw it down and in 
to righties to try to get get him to swing on top of it for some ground balls. The slider feels like his most comfortable pitch. When I watched him throw it, it seemed like a pitch that he could consistently get over and get in a location that he wanted more often than any of his other pitches. The cutter at 90 didn't see a lot of, obviously, only six and a third innings here to watch or video of at a professional level, but it could be a difference maker if this is a pitch for him that can really be effective. I saw him throw it to a lefty in one particular sequence, which I posted on uh, my Twitter feed on social media. You want to go check it out because it was just beautiful, beautiful because he threw two cutters up and in to a lefty, got him to swing over top of it, tried to get him to chase a changeup, fading away from the lefty. He almost got it, but it was too far outside. Threw another cutter up and in that he fouled off late and then threw a slider off of that, which was just devastating. After you've seen that cutter come up and in, up and in, up and in, to throw that slider with that downward break on it, and obviously he swung over the top of it, didn't have a chance. So that cutter could be a, a difference-making type of pitch for him. The changeup didn't seem to have great feel for it. Obviously, I think he's going to need that pitch, particularly against lefties. But again, if he could run that cutter in on lefties, that can be a pitch that he can go to against them. So a good mix there to work with. I think it's more just getting better command and feel for the cutter, for the changeup. Really could be the difference in him becoming a really solid you know, mid to back of the rotation starter and potentially being uh, a reliever at some point. Some have him compared to a Bryce Elder. I think that's a pretty safe comp, a solid back of the rotation workhorse can give you 160 innings a year out of the fourth or fifth spot in the rotation. I do think that is the floor for him. Um, Evan Connor saying, am I hearing a Corbin Burns comp with Hackenberg? Not quite that. He's not up here throwing 96 mile per hour cutters, but I do think Bryce Elder is probably the better comp for him with the sinker, slider, cutter combination and changeup as well. A little bit more velo than Bryce Elder, so perhaps a little bit more upside to him. But I think that is a pretty safe floor for uh, Drew Hackenberg here, especially if he continues to develop that third pitch, whether it be the cutter or whether it be the changeup. I think there's a chance he falls back as a solid reliever, especially if the velo ticks up in shorter outings. I don't know that. That's not a sure thing, but I think there is a possibility that if it doesn't work out in the rotation, he still has the stuff to be a solid reliever. Again, the ceiling for Drew Hackenberg, in my mind, is a number three starter with a pretty safe floor as a fourth, fifth starter, Bryce Elder type. So really excited about you know what he could be. I know a lot of people are going to look at that 59th overall pick and hope that there's more to that. But look, if you can get a solid workhorse back of the rotation starter at that part of the draft that you feel really good about is going to have an impact at the big league level, then that's a really great pick. Now, next person I want to talk about, Sabine Ceballos. I'm really excited about this guy. I don't know if he's going to overtake my, my hype that I have for Ignacio Alvarez, but I think he has the potential to be maybe the best bat in the Braves lineup pretty quickly. Uh, taken in this year's, in this past draft out of Oregon, but he was born in Puerto Rico, six foot three, 225 pounds, 21 years old, listed as a catcher on draft day, but played third base exclusively with Augusta in his professional debut. Also played some outfield in college, so might be another opportunity for him to get on the field there, showing some versatility. In 2023 at Oregon in 59 games, 
Remember, I talked about taking pitching stats with a big grain of salt because the offensive numbers were inflated. Same thing for hitters. You got to remember that the numbers at the college level right now are super inflated. He slashed 333, 426, 643 slugging percentage, 18 home runs, 34 walks to 36 strikeouts, and no steals. I mentioned that because he did steal a couple of bags in his professional debut, and if that becomes a part of his game, obviously ups his uh, talent and his evaluation. In his pro debut, played nine games in Augusta, slash 300, 440, 375, one home run, Nine, walk to four, nine walks to 14 strikeouts and two stolen bases, like I mentioned. Added a little bit of speed to his game at the professional ranks. He did play some FCL uh, games, too, as well for the Braves, and he missed nearly a month of action. So he missed a good chunk of time in his first full professional season. So like I said, got a small cup of coffee with FCL, moved up to Augusta and played nine games there. So looking forward to getting a bigger sample size on him. Next season, really for him and Hackenberg, we did not get much to go off of. But what I did see in the swing, very confident hitter when he steps into the box. I mean, you want to see that, obviously, if you're a hitter trying to hit a, a baseball, you got to have a lot of confidence stepping into the box. And he has that strong lower half. I think the power is going to be for real. It feels like his approach when I walk watch him swing, it's that he's looking to cover the outer half. He's kind of Starts a little bit open, dives into the plate like he wants to cover that outer, uh, outer half and then react inside. I saw him get beat on a couple of pitches on the inside, maybe because of that. You know, maybe you can get away with that at the college level a little bit, but not when guys are regularly throwing, you know, upper 90s. So that may be an adjustment that he has to make. And curious to see again what that looks like over a larger sample size. I did see him crush a couple of balls the other way, including the lone home run that he hit this year was an opposite field home run. So he has power from pole to pole. I do believe that, but I think he may have to change the approach a little bit in his swing and maybe not lean so much over the outer half that he gets beat inside too much on guys who can maybe like a Drew Hackenberg who can, you know, bust them inside with 94, 96 arm side run. Very emotional uh, when he's in the box. Uh, the games that I was watching, and this is not, not necessarily in a bad way, but he was, you know, constantly talking to the pitchers, you know, telling them good pitch, talking with the umpire. So a very emotional guy out there, uh, very outspoken, I guess you could say, on the field. It was very interesting to watch. And again, not in a bad way. I think it could be a very good thing for the Braves, and especially with the group they have at the big league level right now. Good at bats. You know, he did strike out more in his professional debut, which you would expect even for a college hitter. But the at-bats were typically pretty good. Even some at-bats where he fell behind 0-2, 1-2 early, I saw him work the count, you know, get it even or even get it to a 3-2 count. So I thought the at-bats were very good. And that was one of the knocks on him as a college hitter is just the approach early on wasn't great, but they got better and better as the year years went on. Is he the next best hitter in the system? Again, it's a low bar to clear right now, but I think he has the potential to get there. I'm not ready to put him over my guy, Ignacio Alvarez, just yet. Maybe not even over David McCabe or a Drake Baldwin, but I think he's certainly in that group. I think you could probably put all four of those hitters kind of in the same tier right now. The power seems legit to all fields. Uh, the approach is solid, like I said. And, and where does he play? This is the question Jeffrey Humphreys had. Sabine Sabalos, how good is he with the glove? Not great 
Um, not particularly, and not, again, it was a small sample size, so not a lot that I got to see here, but uh, he played third base, and that seems like the best fit for him. He has the arm for that side of the field. I, perhaps there's a chance you move him to a corner outfield if he does show some speed. DH is always a possibility now. Could obviously play first, but I don't, I don't necessarily see that as a fit, at least not right now. My question is, is do you still give him time at catcher? They didn't in his first professional season, but, you know, that could be another pathway for him. And I think it would be pretty cool if they continue to develop him as a catcher and give him that versatility as somebody who can play catcher, third base, corner outfield, somebody like a Dalton Varsho. I'm not trying to make that comp, but just versatility-wise, I think that would be something very special to have. So the future for Sabalos, if the approach continues to improve, like it did in his college career, there's enough power there for him to be a legit big league bat. Maybe somebody that hits 260, 270, you know, a 320, 330 on base with 20 to 30 home runs. I think that's probably his ceiling, but I think he has the potential to reach it. I'm interested to see if he continues to run like he did in his small sample size again this year. Steals are easier to come by in today's game, but you add, you know, double digit steals to that profile as well. I think it makes him even more interesting. So I, I like, you know, I'm not, he's not going to be a top 100 prospect. He's not going to be some sort of all-star stud, I don't think, but I believe he has the potential to come up and be a legit big league bat that gives you a little bit of average, a little bit of power, maybe even a little bit of speed as well. So I think that's what the Braves have there in Sabine Sabalos. All right, next we'll get into the news of the day, including the Braves trading Max Dassey, as we already said, the Otani news, and the coaching hires from Monday. We'll discuss all of that here next. All right, getting back into our discussion, some news of the day from a Monday. And right now, Ron Acuna Jr. is competing in a home run dirty in Venezuela. Last I saw, he had moved on to the quarterfinals. Uh, so looking forward to getting back into that. So you can watch that on YouTube. If you go to B-E-I-S-B-O-L play on YouTube, you should be able to watch the replay of that if you missed it. Uh, so a lot of fun there. Maggie Cabrera is in that. Yasiel Puig. A lot of really good hitters in that home run derby. If you want to go and give that a watch, and obviously Acuna doing his thing. He won it last year, so trying to defend that crown. Mentioned Max Stassi, talked about it earlier. He was traded to the White Sox for a player to be named later. Braves sending money in that deal, covering at least half of what he is owed. And then the coaching hires on Monday. Matt Tuyasa Sopo hired as the new third base coach. He's been rising up the ranks in the Braves minor league system for a while. He even has gotten a cup of coffee himself at the big league level, filling in for Wash at times. So this seemed like the obvious choice. Will he be aggressive as Wash at third base? Do we want him to be ag as aggressive as Wash at third base? We'll have to see. And then he will also be assisting Walt Weiss, who is now the new infield coach as well. So we'll see if they continue to do the Wash drills there with Walt Weiss taking over. Tom Goodwin is the new first base coach. He held that role with the Mets from 2012 to 2017 and then with the Red Sox from 2018 to 2021 so somebody very familiar in that role somebody honestly i haven't really heard of so i don't have much else to give on him same with eric abreu he's the new bullpen coach first time being part of a major league coaching staff with a pitching coach in the astros minor league system for the last nine years so those are your coaching hires nothing splashy no p 
Peter Moreland's, no David or Mark DeRosa's, uh, no Martin Prado's, no Chipper Jones, nothing like that. But I'm sure they're all great coaches and good candidates to fill in here. The Giants met with um, Yamamoto uh, this w- weekend as well and seemed like, I don't want to know if you want to call them front runners, but certainly they're one of the favorites along with the New York teams as well. Maybe that decision is coming down soon. We really haven't seen a lot happen, <laughs> even after the Otani move, still waiting on that influx of deals to happen. I mean, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell are still out there. Cody Bellinger is out there. There's still a lot of top free agents out there, and it feels like these moves are going to have to happen here in the next couple of weeks. They typically do before Christmas, but here we are, and there's still not a lot getting done. And then the Otani news, again, I don't want to get into that now because my head might explode, but I am going to have a podcast later this week talking about possibly extending Ron Acuna Jr. We'll go more into depth on the Otani contract situation there, but on the surface, doesn't seem fair, but it is within the rules with all that deferred money. Um, you know, essentially the Dodgers are paying him two million a year for the first 10 years of that deal, and then 680 million after that, so that they can basically get around the luxury tax, which seems like a loophole and maybe one that they need to clear up in the next CBA. But for now, it is legitimate. Evan Connor says, Do you think Braves keep McCabe or Ceballos? if they have to include one of them in any package for a starting pitcher. If there is any trade out there for a starting pitcher, the Braves are not going to hesitate to trade any bat in their system. Everybody is locked up for the next four or five, seven years, whatever. You know, For the most part, position player-wise, the Braves are locked up. If there is a move to be made and another team covets one of their hitters, they're going to trade Ignacio Alvarez, Savine Ceballos, uh, David McCabe, Drake Baldwin, they will trade them all, and so would I. Uh, the Braves have the fortune right now that they can move any position players that they want wanted to. Leland Hurd, I thought the reason for Grissom to play winter ball was to check him out in left field. We don't need third-base players. Uh, that is interesting, and I'm glad Leland brought that up and others discussing it in the chat. First two games for Vaughn Grissom in the Puerto Rican League, and he has started at third base, so... That's interesting. Made a really good leaping catch there the other day, but uh, really interesting that they have him at third base right now. Maybe he's still just kind of practicing there, warming up to the outfield, but we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that to see once he actually does make his start in left field there, assuming it's left field, wherever they're going to put him in the outfield. Cherry says, I honestly love the the under-the-radar way the Braves operate. There's no buzz until we're leading the division by 20 games. There's also no buzz in the offseason until you see that blue screen pop up on your Twitter feed. I love that they want to send out happy holidays to everybody, but it is such a tease when I open up my app and I see that blue screen and there's not a move being made. So uh, they got to figure out a way to to not tease us like that. Peter D'Amico, Jake's, why not? see the kid pitchers we have, then if need be, A, can trade for a start at the deadline. What do you think? I think that's a great way that the Braves can go about it. They certainly have the ability to do that. Look, you are still going into this season with Max Reed, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton. If those three are healthy, that is one of the best one, two, threes in all of baseball. So they certainly can't afford to go into the season with what they have. I still think you probably need to get some depth. If you're not going to get a mid-rotation arm, at least get another back of the rotation arm to pair with Bryce Selder. You want to let one of those kids handle the fifth spot for now, maybe, but 
I'd rather just roll with like a Darius Vines or an Allen Winans if that's the case and let A.J. smith Shaver and Waldrop really just continue to work at AAA unless they come into spring training and then just dominate. But again, we saw Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd dominate in spring training last year, and you saw what happened once uh, the calendar you know flipped over to April. So you take that with a grain of salt as well. All right, that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you so much for joining, whether live or watching the replay. Appreciate, appreciate all your support here at Locked On Braves. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Tell your friends about us. We're trying to get to 10K by opening day here on YouTube. And if you're listening on the audio version, I appreciate you so much as well. Make sure you leave me a five-star review and a good review down there, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to Locked On Braves. Thank you so much for your support here. We'll have more during the week. Again, right now we are down to three days a week, but we'll have a discussion this week about extending Ron Acuna Jr. We'll have our mailbag episode as well on Friday and any breaking news that comes out. I'll be right here with you live to discuss it. Make sure you follow me on social media at shortstopball. Follow us at Lockdown underscore Braves as well. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves, and we will talk to you later. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 